you have to provoke yourself to do what your flesh doesn't want to do. Anybody ever get up in the morning, you open your eyes and it's a work day, and everything inside of you does not want to go to work. My boss used to say he had the I don't want to's that day. But you know what? You have to provoke yourself to get out of bed and to do what you know you're supposed to do. Same thing in the house of God. Your flesh doesn't want to do it. Your flesh doesn't want to worship God. But you got to provoke yourself to do what you, your flesh doesn't want to do. Clap your hands unto the Lord. We ain't leaving until we have a move of God tonight. While you're turning to Hebrews 4, verse 12, we used to sing a song, Devil Don't Want No Aisle Running Around Here. Y'all remember that old song? Devil Don't Want No Tongue Talking Around Here. And it goes on and on. Well, I'm adding a verse to it. Pastor don't want no gum chewing around here. I've been watching so many people chew gum. I thought, well, how much energy they're putting into chewing gum. We could have had a move of God if they'd have been worshiping all the energy they put in chewing gum. So that's why you saw that slide going throughout service. And I mean, close the loophole. Don't even hold it in your mouth. Because here's what they'll say. Well, he said no chewing. He didn't say I couldn't hold it in my mouth. Don't even hold it in your mouth. And that's just respect for the house of God. Amen. All right. For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I want to preach tonight on this subject, the power of his word. The power of his word. Holy Ghost, we surrender everything to you right now. Over these next few moments, I'm going to declare what you're able to do. I'm going to preach the unadulterated word of Almighty God. And it falls upon the ears of the hearer. Lord, it falls upon their hearts to take a hold of that word and to receive it and to obey it. God, I pray that with everything we got tonight, we'll yield, out, yield ourselves to your word. In Jesus' name, can you clap your hands one more time and give him praise? Amen. You may be seated. I rise today to preach about two separate aspects of God, yet when combined, they introduce a third dimension that we must not neglect. The power of God, the word of God, and when you couple them together, you get the power of his word. It doesn't take long to be around the people of God to realize that if they've served him any length of time, they have a testimony of what God has done in their life. The power of God is undeniable and unexplainable. Yet we know, like the song says, 
It's real. It's real. Does anybody know tonight that it's still real? Amen. Romans 13 and 1 says, For there is no power but of God, and the powers that be are ordained of God. Don't you think for a moment that God can't turn the tide as he desires? Even when the Antichrist in due season rises up, and begins to deceive men, it's only because the power of God will allow it to happen so he can return and prove once and for all who the real God is. Psalm 62 and 11 reminds us that God had spoken once. Twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. There is nothing too hard for God. I just need you to agree with me from the get-go that there's no sickness God cannot heal. There's no sinner that God cannot save. There's no mountain that God cannot move. There's no prodigal that God cannot reach. There's no financial situation that God cannot turn upside down. There's no medical diagnosis that God doesn't already have the answer for. I want somebody to shout tonight that he's able. Somebody shout it again, he's able. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Don't you think for a moment that God's changed? His power is the same as it's always been. Hey! The power of God knows no equal. It knows no boundary. It is self-sufficient. It is self-sustaining. You cannot exhaust it because you cannot measure the power of God. But then there's that second dimension, the word of God. When we speak of his word, usually the first thing that comes to mind is this word, the Bible. And I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful God loved his people enough to leave them the way, not a way. Jesus never said, I am a way. He said, I am the way. Because if you say a way, it means that there's more than one way. But if you say the way, it means there is no alternative. There is no other option. This is the only way to make it to the other side. Don't let man deceive you. Don't let people lead you astray. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the trap of this day is to preach the good parts and ignore what we don't like. To only read what tickles our ear instead of what changes our soul. I read a story about a former park ranger at Yellowstone National Park talking about a, a young ranger leading a group of hikers to a fire lookout. And this young ranger was so intent on telling the hikers about the flowers and the animals that he considered the messages on his two-way radio distracting, so he turned it off. 
nearing the tower, the ranger was met by a nearly breathless lookout who asked why hadn't he responded to the messages on the radio. He said a grizzly bear had been stalking the group and they had been trying to warn them of the danger that was pending. Anytime we tune out the messages God has sent us, we put ourselves at peril. If we only want to talk about the flowers and the animals, then we're only here hurting ourselves because there's an enemy of our soul that is lurking in the shadows and he's trying to, to doom us to hell. We've got to be sober. We've got to be vigilant. We've got to have the watchman on the wall that says the nine is coming. The nine is coming. When we think about the word, we think about the Bible, but his word is bigger than the Bible. The psalmist tells us what our attitude should be regarding his word. He says in Psalm 119, 162, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. That's how the psalmist felt about the word of God. It's, he was overjoyed. He'd be like winning a lot. When's the last time somebody shouted when the pastor said, let's stand for the reading of the word? Because it's so mundane. It's so monotonous. It's so, it's so ritualistic that we have lost that appreciation for the word of God. One man said, men do not reject the Bible because it contradicts itself, but because it contradicts them. There's no flaws in this book. There's no contradictions in this book. But men reject it because the truth reveals their flaws. And so they, want to, they don't want to be confronted with the harsh reality of their mistakes and their failures and their sin. And when they do read it, they want to read the Psalms. They want to read the good parts. They don't want to read any part in this book that's going to highlight wrong in their life. But friend, you got to take the whole word. You can't just take what you want. You can't just take what you like. If you're going to make it to the other side, you got to take the totality. We ought to rejoice because God loves us enough to let us, let his word show us what we need. So you got God's power. You got God's word. But then I want to talk about what happens when you put them together. The power of his word. It's nearly impossible to talk about his power without mentioning his word because they're Siamese twins. Everything that we see and that which we don't see was established by the spoken word. And God said. He thought. And then his thought was revealed and it was declared and it came to pass. Not talking about this, this, this leather bound word. I'm talking about the logos, the thought of God. Hebrews 4 and 12 for the word, the logos, the thought of God is quick and powerful. 
and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. Now, this word is talking about this, but not in totality. Because we know that the logos, the thought of God, was revealed to men. And the Bible says they wrote as they were moved on by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. But God's thoughts go beyond just this. Amen? Y'all with me? So let's look at this verse even closer because it opens up a whole avenue of God that people struggle with. It's talking about the Logos. Anybody just ever have random thoughts? Okay. Do you realize that if we're made in the image of God, which we are, God has thoughts. You ever wonder what God thinks about you? So what does God's thoughts look like here's what it looks like let's just say all right we've already established we have random thoughts anybody ever thought something just out of the blue that that you weren't proud of but you don't know where it came from anybody getting mad if i see that person again i tell you what and then your spouse comes home You have these thoughts and all this stuff going in your mind. And here's where God's thoughts kick in. Because God looks at you. I mean, I'm going to pick on Sister Jane because her and Brother, John, bro, bro, Brother Don don't ever get in fights. Brother Don just does what she says. Amen? I'm just joking. I could pick with her about that. Let's just say Sister Jane gets mad at Brother Don. And think something that she's not proud of. She gets angry. The thoughts of God, the logos, the word of God, it just tells us. It looks at that mind and it discerns between what she thinks and what she'll actually do or the intent and that's where the measure of grace is given because God looks at her and says, she may have thought it, but I know her well enough that she wouldn't do that. That's how powerful the word of God is, the logos of God. is because if, if it was left up to us, we'd be repenting every single thought. But God said, I'm going to save you some time. I'm going to let my word look into your spirit and realize you may have had a thought, but I'm going to discern between that thought and what you would actually do. That's how powerful God's word is. You know how many thoughts are going through your mind every day? Pure or impure, it don't matter. I'm just talking about thoughts. And if you had to sit there and repent for every improper thought, you would not be able to do it. But the Holy Ghost, the Logos, the thoughts of God, God will look at you and he'll look at that thought. Now the devil don't know that thought. Devil can't read your mind. Devil can hear what you say. Watch where you go. 
devil, his knowledge of you is limited to everything external. That's why it's so important of what you put your eyes, uh, in front of your eyes and, and where you go. It's because you're giving Satan a strategy on the outside. So what God says is, hey, I'll deal with those thoughts before they ever manifest themselves. That's how powerful his word is. I want to give you three more attributes, three more, three more things about his word. It shows you how powerful. His word, first of all, is an absolute word. It's an absolute word. Everything man could ever say has a thread of doubt attached to it. When I say doubt, it means that there is the chance that it won't come to pass. Anybody ever knew anybody that you just knew as soon as they said it, they were lying? I mean, rather climb a tree to lie than stand flat-footed to tell the truth. And we may not all be like that, but we don't have absolute authority and power either. Which means I, I can tell you now, Brother Spanky, 3 o'clock tomorrow I'm going to be in your driveway. And I have full intentions of 3 o'clock tomorrow being in his driveway. But you know what I can't control? Flat tire. Traffic. All of these, I may pull up at 3.30 and I may have kept part of my word but not my full word. Because there's so many variables in life that we can't control. We may have the best of intentions, but still, we're not in total control. And this is why Jesus was talking to him in Matthew 5. He says, again, ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black, but let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. This is why if you're ever asked to go to court, you don't swear, you affirm. Because scripture clearly says, don't you swear. You know why? Because you're going to recount things as you can remember, which is liable to be flawed by time. And your memory is not perfect. So you're going to do it to the best of your ability. So if you're swearing, then you're saying this is the absolute truth. And you're not absolute. Only God is absolute. You say, I'm going to affirm that this is to the best of my knowledge and the best of my memory. See, this was a common oath that the Gentiles used and the Jews. They would swear by the head, which was the same as to swear by the life or to say that I'll forfeit my life if what I say is not true. 
And God is the author of life. And to swear by that is the same as to swear by him. And so it says, because thou canst not make one hair white or black, which means you have no control unless you use a bottle, and we don't use a bottle on our hair. Hey, man, thought I'd throw that in there. You cannot even change one single hair. God has all that control, and it is therefore improper and profane to pledge what is God's gift and God's property, and it is the same as swearing by God himself. But watch this. I can't swear because I don't have absolute power. But here the Bible says in Hebrews 6, 13, for when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater. He said, I'm going to swear by myself because I am absolute and I can make a promise and I can say it shall happen because I'm the one that controls everything. Hear me when I say tonight that if God has given you a word, it's an absolute word. It's an absolute truth. Somebody shout absolute. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? You can trust in his word. You know the enemy of trust? Time. Because as the the psalmist once said, time marches on. Time marches on. That's not a psalmist, by the way. <laughs> Y'all trying to figure out where was that, and I missed that. That's the, the Tracy, Prophet Tracy, Psalmist Tracy, not Prophet. I heard that at a gas station years ago. You could trust in that word. There's a reason they call it the meantime, because time can be a mean thing. Because you keep living and you don't see anything happening. You keep living and your children are backslidden. You keep living and your miracle hadn't happened yet. And as time goes, trust starts to be tested. But it's an absolute word. Secondly, he his word is an affirming word. Undoubtedly, there are times in living for God, you wonder if you're even headed in the right direction. Anybody ever felt like that? God, am I even doing what I'm supposed to be doing, going where I'm supposed to go? You just kind of feel like you've been that hamster in the wheel and they let you out and you're just kind of stumbling all over the place. So the, 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 the prophet Isaiah spoke of it. He said, and though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, Yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner anymore, but thine eyes shall see thy teachers. I'm preaching to people that you've eaten the bread of adversity and you've drank the water of affliction and you've wondered whether or not God even knew where you were at or what direction you were going. But this is what he said. When you get to that point, in verse 21 of Isaiah 30, and thine ears 
others shall hear a word behind thee saying this is the way walk ye in it when you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left why do you think the Bible says thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path because God's going to let you know that you're going in the right direction Everybody wants a word, but they don't want to get in the word. But if you'll get in the word, you'll get a word. I can't tell you how many times I've needed direction. And I needed God to just point me where I'm going. And I'd pray for someone to call me. And I'd pray for a word, an external word, that I'd get in this book right here. But Lord, it didn't take long of this book right here when God said, I know right where you're at and here's where you need to be. And God, just steer me right back where I need to be. It'll affirm your direction. For all the promises of God, in him are yea, and in him a man under the glory of God. But then there's a third thing. His word is an active word. Don't think for a moment that God's word sits like a monument. Though this book may not be circling through the atmosphere and the visible, the thoughts of God and the word of God is circling this place and it's moving in your life. Preaching is more than words leaving a man's mouth, but preaching is something that's being activated in the spirit. This is why Paul said, preach the word because it's the word that begins to activate something I'm not up here preaching my opinion I'm up here preaching the truth of his word and declaring unto you that God will do what he said he would do and it's up to you to take a hold of that word and to claim that word and to say I believe the truth of this word I want everybody right now to stand to your feet if you believe it and clap your hands unto God world right now because God's wanting to touch somebody and hell knows what's going to happen if we'll get a hold of this word. Let me tell you, you don't need a preacher to lay hands on you to get a miracle. The Bible said he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. If you need a healing, all you gotta do is believe his word and God will heal you. If you need deliverance, believe his word and God will deliver you. I'm talking about the power of his word. You may be seated. Luke chapter five. Disciples told all night, caught nothing. You ever try to do it your way and end up worse than when you started? I mean, you think about it. Let's, let's liken it unto a day today. They didn't have motors on their boat. They, had, they were the motors. But it'd be like going fishing today and you spent the money to put fuel in your truck. You spent the money for the boat. You spent the money for gas in the boat. You bought Pepsis and pecan twirls and little Debbie cakes. 
fried chicken, if, if you got room for it. And you go to fishing and you fish all night. Got nothing. A simple math tells you you in the red. You done spent $200. I've never been on a profitable boat trip. Never happened. Unless I was not paying a dime. I've always lost money. And so here they are, worse than when they started. Wore out, exhausted, nothing to show for all night's work. Didn't even sleep. And here Jesus gets on the boat. They had no clue what was fixing to happen. And tells them to launch out into the deep. Now these were professional fishermen that knew where to go to catch fish. And Jesus is telling them, go out in the deep. I just got a feeling, I can't prove this, but I, it probably fits. They didn't fish the deep water because the, the fish weren't there. But when God is trying to take you somewhere, it deeper than when you, where you've ever been, the first thing you've got to do is be willing to obey what he says. But we won't argue. Like Peter, what did he start doing? Lord, we fished all night. Started giving all these excuses. But there was one thing that was different. The word. Because he said, never the less. That's a word of submission. That's when you argue your point, and then you go, all right. Nevertheless, I'm going to do what you say. At thy word. Because there's creative power in the word of God. And what Peter didn't see was when Jesus said, cast that net on the other side, his word went down there into the deep places and started stirring up a bunch of fish. And when, the, when those nets hit their water, the word like a magnet caused those fish to come into those nets. Hear me when I tell you tonight, what you can't see is what the word of God is doing in your life. You're trying to judge everything by what you can see, but there's a word that's working. There's a word that's ministering if you will believe. Listen, I'm not going to tell you something that I didn't. I don't have proof for. For the past six weeks, if you ain't noticed, I've been hobbling. That's between my back and my gout that I didn't even know what gout was, but it snuck up on me like a beast. And my right foot was swollen up. It would be purple. I couldn't handle a sock touching it, much less a shoe. And so I've been taking all kind of pills for gout for six weeks. If you never had gout, I'm telling you, it's of the devil. It's bad to the bone. And I was at camp meeting in the bed for two days last week. I'd make it to church at night. I couldn't even handle a shoe on my foot. I, I took my shoe off during church because it hurt so bad. But the word went forth on Friday night. And I looked up to heaven. I said, God, I don't care if a preacher touches me or not. But your word says that you're going to heal me. And I said, I claim healing for my gout. And you hear me? I don't have an ounce of pain in my foot. Because I got a word that's powerful. You don't have to have a preacher if you got a word. You don't have to have somebody 
Bible says he did it once. He'll do it again. Say it with me right now. Oh, I feel faith rising in this house. It doesn't matter what you got going. God is able. God is able. But watch this. I've always heard that his name is all powerful. You've heard that? Power in the name of Jesus. His name has all power. But I read in Psalm 138 and 2, musicians, you could come. The psalmist said, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Hold it. Put the brakes on. Psalmist just said that his word is more powerful than his name. And so if that's the case, then it's contradicting everything that I've heard because I've heard his name is all powerful. But Jesus said all power is given unto me. Why did the psalmist say that he exalted his word above his name? Yet Jesus rise and say all power is given unto me. I'm going to tell you why. Because when the psalmist wrote that, what he was saying is, your word is exalted above every revelation of who you are that you have shown us thus far. But there was another revelation that was coming. It was greater than Jehovah Rapha. It was, it was greater than Jehovah Nisi. And if you read Revelation 19 and 11, he says, I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. Friend, the reason Jesus could say all power is given unto me is because when he said, my name is all powerful, he understood that he is the Word of God. And when he comes back, he's not coming back as Jesus. He's coming back as the Word of God the power of his word every knee is going to bow every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord but what they're really going to be saying is that his word is supreme I'm telling you tonight it's an absolute word it's an affirming word but more than that it's an active word and it doesn't matter what you have need of in this place 
the word of God is able to do it. I'm inviting you right now to come lift your hands to heaven. I don't care what your need is. I, you don't have to explain it to anybody because the word already knows. I want you to come and lift your hands and we're not going to come begging. 